Welcome to the Soho Theatre on March the 11th, 2012 for No Pressure to be Funny, created by Alistair Barry and Nick Revel and podcasting on the British Comedy Guide. And now it's time to introduce a man whom Reveal magazine recently unmasked as Anthea Turner's secret crush. Of course, she'd only heard him on the radio, so we can only imagine what she'll be doing when she finds him on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, it's James O'Brien. Thank you very much. Good evening and welcome to No Pressure to be Funny. We're now in Olympic year, of course, with its main sponsors, McDonald's, Budweiser and Coca-Cola, the three key ingredients of any top athlete's diet. Another sponsor is Union Carbide, which I guess explains why the Olympic mascots are one-eyed mutants. The ongoing fuss over bonuses continues, particularly involving Barclays, who were discovered to be avoiding £500 million worth of tax through a loophole in the same week that a bunch of committed protesters were evicted from St Paul's for pointing out that there might just be a fairer way of doing things. Meanwhile, Stephen Hester of RBS turned down his £963,000 bonus after a public outcry although his basic salary of 1.2 million might help soften the blow. And, and while we don't subscribe to the cheap shot of pointing out that a lot of rich bankers are fat and shiny and clearly overfed, we do feel it's worth pointing out that Stephen Hester is fat, shiny, <laughs> and clearly overfed. David Cameron said recently that critics of high boardroom pay deals and work experience schemes where jobless people work for nothing are anti-profit, anti-business snobs. This negative attitude goes all the way back to the 19th century when that anti-profit snob William Wilberforce abolished the transatlantic work experience trade. <laughs> or gay marriage, as the Catholic Church call it. Cardinal Keith O'Brien, head of the Catholic Church in Scotland, and no relation, said that proposing gay marriage was like trying to redefine reality. And you can never redefine reality, can you? I mean, look at that crackpot Galileo trying to argue that the earth goes round the sun. Besides, you'd really think that all Scottish Catholics would be too busy gloating over the crisis at Glasgow Rangers to do anything else at the moment. <laughs> and pointing to it as proof that God is a Catholic. <laughs> now, nobody could excuse Eric Joyce, the Scottish MP who assaulted four Tories in the House of Commons bar the other week. <laughs> you can't possibly condone or admire that kind of behaviour. <laughs> All I'm saying is I would love to have been there just to really condemn it up close in America. The Republican emblem of an elephant is causing particular headache, as apparently they never forget, which is awkward, as no one can remember a nomination campaign going as badly as this. And there is not a cigarette paper to fit between the talented body of men from all strata of America's multimillionaire community who are fighting so hard for the right to be publicly humiliated in November. Mitt Romney has shown real leadership potential, however, by calling on all the other candidates to stand down and let him win by having no one to run against. He's hoping to use the same strategy in the autumn by asking Obama to stand aside. This used to be known as the Mugabe maneuver, <laughs> but is now simply called the Putin. Thank you very much. 
Our first panellist is a comedian, broadcaster and avid Arsenal fan who we've had specially scraped off the ceiling since his team nearly completed the comeback of the century on Tuesday. Named by The Independent as one of the top ten comedians in the country, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ian Stone. Returning to, it's live. Returning to No Pressure is a journalist who began the year with a column in The Guardian advising Rupert Murdoch how to use Twitter correctly. Seeing how the year has panned out for News International since, perhaps he should have paid a little more attention. Please welcome the assistant editor of The New Statesman, Helen Lewis. Finally, the words comedy legend are hugely overused, especially when assessing this year's Republican nominations. <laughs> but we are genuinely thrilled to welcome our third panellist this evening, a man with perhaps the greatest claim to have kick-started the alternative comedy boom of the early 80s, for which many people will never forgive him. An author, an actor, comedian, broadcaster and erstwhile pop star, ladies and gentlemen, Alexi Sale. <laughs> As any regulars among you will know, the, the panel begins with a section of the show that we call the Devil's Advocate, where one of our regulars takes a slightly contrary position on one of the day's big stories. So, with the motion that the Devil's Advocate believes that there should be an International Men's Day, please welcome <laughs> Alistair Barry. Thank you very much. Last Thursday was, as we all know, International Women's Day. I'm surprised these brazen harridans don't insist that every other day is Women's Day in some misplaced stab at gender equality. It can't be long until we're press-ganged into marigolds and forced to endure International Men Do the Washing Up Day or Child Care or something equally ridiculous. Sorry, did I say equally? I hate that word. We're just different and not better. Not really. <laughs> Admittedly, men do hold some of the more senior positions in boardrooms and governments, but there must be some reason for this, surely. Why turn our backs on experience and skills that have been built up over millennia? And why, oh why, should there be an outcry when a man with a proven record of financial acumen and glad-handing in the corridors of power comes to address the Cambridge Union? Some may protest that Dominique Strauss-Kahn has been glad-handing in other corridors too, and whilst there have been other accusations, I wonder if you would be able to recognise prostitutes when they've got no clothes on either. You might say, I recognise them because I gave them money, which is just the sort of nitpicking we've come to expect. Indeed, in Europe this week, we've already seen an apparent victory for women, provided, I hasten to add, by the male editorial staff with the removal of the perfectly attractive naked female lady from the front cover of the German tabloid Bild. Of course, here in Britain, the sun comes out every day, which certainly had Cardinal Keith O'Brien worried for a minute or two. <laughs> what I want to know is what's wrong with a little fun. Having looked back into the history of International Women's Day, it all started off as some po-faced socialist thing, but has now morphed in many parts of the world into a nice day 
when you give women flowers and small gifts, and what could be nicer than that? Let your hair down, have a nice day, and don't tell us off for simply suggesting a change of hairstyle. I was at this point going to propose, in keeping with the motion, that there should be an International Men's Day to redress the balance, until I found out that there actually is one. On November the 19th, which aims to give boys the best possible start in life, a fine and noble aim that I'm sure would once more cause Cardinal O'Brien to prick up his ears, prick up even, <laughs> prick up his ears, honestly, you people. By lucky coincidence, November also features Movember, where men selflessly grow facial hair to address some of the world's more pressing problems, and International Children's Day, which frankly, I'm rather surprised the International Women's Day mob haven't hived off and taken over for themselves, leaving us poor chaps stuck in superhero costumes and begging for access. The world's clearly gone mad, but luckily I don't have to make it any madder by demanding an International Men's Day when we have, quite rightly, already got one. Thank you. There. Ladies and gentlemen, Alistair Barry. Do you know, I had the happiest time for 20 minutes on International Men's Day doing a Twitter search for International Men's Day full of people going, yeah, but it's world sexist. Isn't there an International Men's Day? When's that? And just going, it's November 19th. Happiest, happiest 20 minutes It of my pops Friday. the balloon a bit, doesn't it? I've never even heard of it. Has anyone heard of International Men's Day? No, we, we don't get the same... Uh, you know. You're too busy being 95% of CEOs, two-thirds of MPs, 100% of Jedward. 100% of Jedward. Thank you. That, that's <laughs> the worst. Jedward is the example we look to when we're thinking about men. It's we the do. most egregious example of sexism in our society, I think. But yeah, so I, I, I do, what I get so annoyed about is that there were so many men who were so angry about there being like there are more women in my newspaper. Mm. And you think, well, if you're this angry, think how fucking furious I am the other 364 days of the year when it's all you know sausage fest from wall to wall in all the newspapers. Sausage fest. Yes. <laughs> that is the word that we feminists use. We, we, uh, we had a conference, we decided it. Ian, you seem unconvinced. What, by International Women's Day? Mm. No, I, I'm good. You know, let, let them have their day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it's like the Paralympics, isn't it? They want to have their day. Oh, stop it. You know, I'm just saying, look, it, it's a ridiculous thing, it seems to me, but it, if it promotes equality and maybe one day a week maybe just to remind I mean I was really joking right uh, one, uh, one a month but that would be wrong in some ways uh, uh, no I was reading that still I think women do apparently 75% of their housework right that's what I read I think maybe changing things in that way a little bit more might, might make a difference rather than having a day would you not say? You mean men doing more around Men doing that. more of that stuff. <laughs> Bloody hell, you sound like my wife. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Uh, Alexi Sale. I remember years ago I was doing a, a show, uh, hosting a show on, on More 4, and it was Holocaust Day. And I wished everybody a happy Holocaust Day. Um, I've been wondering about whether to say that. And I'm sorry I did. No, I, I did. Um, <laughs> but there's also... Um, Workshopping with two lads are going on. There's also um, there's off, there's a there are more there are not enough days in the year for things that celebrate days. So like International Sausage Week is also this is true. That it's, Sausages it's get a week and women get. Well, they a do. Day. Yeah, yeah. I think that yeah. says a lot about the equality situation. But Women's Day is actually in Sausage Week. <laughs> <laughs> and is that right? 
Yeah. It just gets lost amid all the celebrations. Yeah, it gets, yeah. What is what, what what is one supposed to do on International Women's Day? Well, probably there's a load of kind of bureaucrats. I mean, if it's like the Arts Council or something, which I imagine it is, there are. With the people behind. There it. are there is, there are international International Women's Day crats. Yes. You're appointed by the United Nations all over. Have offices in Lahore and Geneva and. They all have like Mercedes S classes and stuff like that. It's mainly men. And it's me- it will be men, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It will be men. Yeah, yeah. And it will be mostly men. And um, you know, they won't like yeah, and it'll be some I mean like all this all this shit. It, it, it is I, I I used to love um Piccadilly because it was uh, when I was a student in the seventies I used to walk up Piccadilly because it was a it was then um it had a load of headquarters of, of really useless um, organisations. Like, for example, there was the Northern Ireland Tourist Board. <laughs> two on Piccadilly at the height of the troubles. Lithuanian, Lithuanian Airways. Yeah, Airfront was there. Airways. SNCF. I'd like to buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do I look like I want to sell you a ticket? Um, uh, international mime artist, I will mime <laughs> printing a ticket, but I will never sell you a real one. Only one that is imaginary. It's the only. So there was uh, SNCF, there was also, there was a shop, this absolute true, a shop called the Egg Information Council, which was, uh, and it is International Egg Week um, next week. But it was a government body. There was a chicken information council that came first. <laughs> 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 See, this is a working comedy. <laughs> this is a guy that did the store last night. Why, why did the men who contacted you, Helen, on Twitter and other... Why, why, you, I mean, you said they were very, very angry. This is genuine anger, is it? It's not sort of tongue-in-cheek, blokey chat. No, it's proper no. fury. What really upsets me most about people who are rude to feminists is that their material is so unoriginal. <laughs> I hear, like, make me a sandwich one more time, and I think I'm actually just going. Oh, shit. No, I'm not. Or get back in the kitchen, and you just think, yeah, well, that's all right. But yeah, but okay, but can we move on now? And that's that's the thing that annoys me. If you want to see really the dark side of the internet, go and have a look at something called men's rights activism, MRA, because these are men who generally believe that men have been, you know, men really have it more. They have it worse now. Um, and he said, yeah, he's got all this list of grievances about the fact that men have to wear ties to work, therefore dress codes are more restrictive on women uh, on men than women. This is this is the this is the sexism. You don't realise it. You're su- you need to open your eyes. The you sexism you're day. suffering on a daily basis. <laughs> when is it again? November the nineteenth. Is it? International Men's Day. I forgot to write it down. No, you're quite right. Well done. It is November the nineteenth, and you right. did that without the help of your secretary. And well done. <laughs> it's, that's exactly the sort of thing you're talking about. Uh, well, is it though? Because I am genuinely intrigued by this. Because we possibly live in an era where even describing yourself as a feminist makes some people snigger. Yeah, and, and lots of women don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be sort of seen as being sour-faced, and it's that kind of, no, I, you know, I love pole dancing, it's so sexy. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's, the, what's amazing about capitalism is that it, it, it's its ability to take anything, what the, what the situation is called, recapitulation, is to take anything that threatens it, and within a few years to make it, to emasculate it. And I, I, I just think it's, it was breathtaking how we got from fem- feminism to girl power, 
in something like 10 years. We, we, because the thing, was, the thing about feminism is you can't make any money out of it. It's kind of, once you've bought the dungarees... Replacement bras. Yeah, and the ugly, the 2CV or whatever the, the car of choice is now. There's, you can't, you can't monetize <laughs> feminism. Can I ask, did anyone do anything for International Women's Day? No. Some people did. What do you, sorry, what do you do? The washing up. The washing up. The washing up. The washing up. To be honest, your husband should have done it on International Women's Day. That's the day you should be doing it. I know. Listen to you lot talking about it, though. Yes. We listen to you lot talking about it. That's true, and that's something. No, that, that's that is that's true. It's, well, that's what I'm saying. These ideas are out there, yeah. but you know, still a fair way to go. What what is it in Britain, Helen, that we should be focusing on every day for the plight of the modern female, rather than just on whatever day it was? In well, I think I think, I think childcare is genuinely one of the really big ones. There's this stat that people often use saying there's no pay gap between men and women in their twenties, and they're not, and it's fine. And when you're my age, you can go out and work the hours a guy does. You can do all that. And, but you, you've just you've capitulated. You've bought into the idea that working all the hours is, is the thing to do. And women, and they suddenly get to their thirties and they can't do that anymore. So I think that's huge. I mean, universal childcare is, is an incredible one. But this is back to what you were saying about about the, the. I know it's not a conspiracy. I think it is just what happens if if you have people. If you care only about money, then most people can't get their head around that. But the people who can get their head around it are the ones who care only about money. So if you are, this is what you mean by the people who can't turn a profit out of feminism. They, they've kind of done it the same with, with what you've just described, because what was supposed to be freedom and choice has ended up being uh, the, the sort of straitjacket that means you have to have two incomes in order to keep afloat. In order to keep two incomes, you've got to put your child into care that costs almost as much as the salary you're earning. So in fact, what was supposed to be a celebration of freedom and choice has turned into handcuffs. Um, well, I, I, I mean, I actually heard something on Woman's Hour about... Um, I, I should say, there, I mean, the, the there are other radio <laughs> programmes available at that time of morning. I, sh I should stress, Woman's Hour's a great listen, I'm sure, but, you know, carry on, Alexi. Um, I mean, the, the, the most benign forms of capitalism are... Are those are the Scandinavian countries really? Are they like Denmark, Sweden, and so on? And certainly in this this um, this uh, uh, feature on childcare in Denmark mm. was saying, you know, that childcare is you know like infinite. Really, you can mm. you know, I mean, and uh, and that as I talk it, I realised that I was listening to a thing about childcare in Denmark, but I didn't actually listen to anything anybody said, but um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's free. so when I embarked on it, I thought I knew more about it. It's like that programme they have on Radio 4, isn't it, In Our Time? Yes. You know, and it does like, um, it does like um, the Tolpuddle Martyrs or something, and every, every middle class person is really articulate, it's, it's on a Thursday, isn't it, and it, everybody is really articulate about the Tolpuddle Martyrs till about Tuesday <laughs> of the next week. <laughs> You can hear people talking about the Tulpa Martyrs, like on the weekend, because they've heard it on our time, so in our time, so they're very it up out, on it. Yeah. It leaks out slowly, the information. But then by the Tuesday, on, yeah. it starts to fade, doesn't yeah. it? So by the, by the, the, 
the Thursday when it's about then about the cave paintings in Lascaux. <laughs> then the middle classes and people radio full listeners then become a very articulate in crowd gender people are talking about cave paintings in Lascaux again till the Tuesday when again the information starts to fade and the same is true about this program about childcare in Denmark. But the impression I got is everybody thought it was fucking great anyway. And, um, <laughs> it is. Can I ask my big feminist point then as comedians why aren't there more women in comedy? Oh no. Go on. <laughs> well, I want to know. Tell me. Um, Say, tell me the I, well, I was. I, 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 Go on. No, I. Um, yeah, uh, defensions. We didn't have any women on the um, uh, comic strip, and then the first comedians who auditioned were John and Jennifer, and we said we must have these women because they were funny. Because they were funny, because we women. And we paid them half. I mean, there's a lot. We go to open spot nights. There's quite a lot of women, uh, you know, starting out. But what most women don't have uh, are supportive men at home, who will be at home when they come back from a gig to say, "How was it?" Right? And they go through it, and like I had, and like most male comedians I know had, that we can go home and we have a woman behind us who sort of looks after us and nurses through the early years. Helen, is this comfortic to you? Yes, it's very comfortic. I'm very glad to hear it. No one said because they're not as funny, which presumably is the refrain you hear most often. The funniest person I know is a woman. Who? She's a friend of mine called Yvonne. You won't know her. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a, a little break from, from our panel now and please join me in welcoming to the stage Nick Revel. Thanks very much. Um, we, we've been accused occasionally on this show for having a knee-jerk left-wing bias, uh, we, we, which is absolutely not true. It's all carefully thought out. Uh, but this week, I'm actually going to push it to a new level and defend people who make a full-time living out of state benefits. Uh, and I'm even going to single one out. Um, her name is Emma Harrison. I don't know if any of you have heard of her. She, uh, until recently, used to run a company called A4E, which I believe uh, stands for Action for Employment. And uh, she stepped down from her executive role in the company in the wake of irregularities. I would go into further detail there, but we haven't got a good enough libel lawyer to make it watertight. <laughs> now, last year, A4E got 180 million quid from the government to find jobs for unemployed people because sourcing out that kind of task to the private sector makes sure that the money is spent efficiently and dynamically. Here's an example. A4E offers structured job assistance to the unemployed, right, which involves sitting a jobless person down in front of a computer for a couple of hours and telling them to trawl websites to look for vacancies. I mean, the public sector would just squander that money on something tokenistic and useless. So. And on Teesside, another example, Teesside A4E did this. They did something quite amazing. They, they had to place 630 disadvantaged, disabled, difficult, mentally challenged kids into jobs, and they did it. And obviously it took a lot of hard work and, in fact, lateral thinking, like having to invent signatures to make it look like they placed more people on schemes than they actually had. That is how much they care, uh, to be fair and legal. Um, the person who was responsible for that little scam actually resigned from the company. We don't know in her resignation if she used her own name or, <laughs> or indeed what name she used when she signs on. But um, 
A4E is so committed that they send their staff on trips to motivational meetings all over the world, places like Monaco, La Manga in Spain and Paris, <laughs> carefully chosen destinations that stop them ever losing touch with the tough lives of the people that they're looking after. And Emma Harrison herself endured a grueling business trip all the way to New York, flying business class, and she only took with her some members of her family to give her moral support. <laughs> And it must have been, you know, I don't know exactly what the, the, the job was there, presumably trying to find jobs in Manhattan for deprived, mentally challenged kids from Middlesbrough, which has got to be tough, <laughs> even in Middlesbrough. Um, and and even, though she leaves no, even though she leaves no stone unturned in this devotion to caring for the less fortunate, she has enemies. For example, they gave one employed guy a job in their own office, processing expenses, with the instructions not to check each and every receipt and claim too rigorously. Clearly, this wasn't sinister, it's just an efficiency measure. And how did this employee repay them? By whistleblowing to the newspapers. This just shows how deep the prejudice runs towards people in this country who, through no fault of their own, have to live on state handouts. And Emma herself, right? Okay, she's worth between 55 and 70 million pounds, but that's just looking at the bare facts in a really distorted, hysterical way. What you don't realise is she has a 20-bedroom stately home to maintain and a large family to look after, and yet some people still give her a hard time for that money. This is how bad it is, right? The first time I put Emma Harrison personal worth into the search engine on my computer, I got this, I got this question back. Do you mean financially or morally? <laughs> Depending on your terms, it's somewhere between 70 millions and fuck all. <laughs> And that's the kind of prejudice that people who have to live on state benefits have to suffer in this country, even from search engines, ladies and gentlemen. So have a bit of compassion. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Rebel. I, I don't know if you saw the story this week about Abercrombie, I say it like I know what it is, Abercrombie and Fitch in, uh, in, in Italy where employees were forced to do push-ups and squat thrusts if they failed to greet customers correctly. Um, in, in fairness to Abercrombie and Fitch, I should add here that it, it, they said it was not company policy, it was just the work of a rogue manager, which is sounds like Itali Italian jargon for sadistic pervert. Who, I, 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 Ian, shittiest treatment you've ever had at work? Sort of push-ups? Sounds fairly small I never, beer. I, I was never made to do push-ups. It's a bit military, isn't it? Mm. Uh, um, well, the worst job I ever had, sorry, this sounds a bit like Pete and Dove at this point, but uh, <laughs> Go on. worst job I ever Could had, I, I worked in a, in a, um, in a bridge club. Uh, <laughs> you know, I used to make teas and coffees in a bridge club for old Jewish people, and uh, it was 90p for, for, for two teas, and they gave me a 10p tip, it was very nice, and uh, uh, it was appalling, they were, so, they were demanding, is all I would say, and uh, it, it was, uh, well, the... Jewish people in restaurants, the classic, five Jews in a restaurant, the waiter comes over and says, was anything okay? I was an assistant school caretaker. I had thousands of fucking jobs before. I mean, I, I wasn't going to become a comic until I was like 28 or something. A lot of shitty jobs. One of the jobs I had was, it was in, I lived in a tower block and there was a primary school more or less beneath the tower block and I, I had to clean like toilets mm. and little kiddie toilets and then but one of the things I'd do was I'd sweep I'd started really early I would sweep across the schoolyard with my broom 
and then I'd throw my broom down and run home, uh, you know, when I wasn't supposed to be, to go and have my breakfast. And one day the lollipop man saw me, <laughs> and he turned me into the caretaker. He got shot I got shot, by the, I got shot by the lollipop man. <laughs> Give him a uniform, and they turn him to Hitler. Um, <laughs> and one of the reasons I couldn't drive then, one of the reasons I learned to drive was so I could get a car and run that man down. <laughs> I have been much worse as an employee to my boss than my bosses have ever been. I had like, I was a clerk in like, um, a, a sort of, they were technical publishers and um, they let me do some illustrating because I went to art school and I was, I was pretending to be an illustrator. And I remember I did development zones. I had to do this maps, development zones of the EU. And I was doing Norway and I got bored with the coastline because it's a, and so I just went <laughs> I just made up I just did all the fjords at random because there's thousands of fuckers and if anybody ever tries to navigate using you know, like, no it's alright we're saved we've got development zones in Norway <laughs> on our sinking yacht we can, there's a fjord just there there won't be because I just made it up time now for our, our musical guest a slightly belated welcome for a singer songwriter from Portland Oregon whose album I'm not drunk, I just need to talk to you is available outside all good weather spoons on a Saturday night. <laughs> a lady who once said she will never sell out until the price is right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming to the stage Loretta Main. Thing 
Activists, commentators, etc., a great deal more angry. Women's Woman's Hour, News Night, even Question Time would be a lot more effective if there was a lot more swearing and sudden violence. <laughs> I, for one, would remember a lot more detail from Radio 4 discussions if there was occasional violence. Um, Alexi. Well, yeah, I, I, a few weeks ago I had. Um, I had a meeting with a researcher from Question Time and uh, they were um, kind of thinking about doing it. But I always have this terrible fear with Question Time that I just will end up shouting, you're a bastard. Michael Gove, you Pinocchio-faced cunt, you're a bastard. Get a massive round of applause, if yeah, you and it would get enormous viewing figures as well. Yeah. My player would explode. In a sense, you might enjoy similar tactics. Although there's a lack of sincerity in well-meaning exchanges. If you if you if you have a passionate disagreement with someone in real life, you you know about it, don't you? I mean, you you either don't get invited back again, or, or you might get punched or punched, or or you might get dumped. Tracking through some personal highlights. Yeah. <laughs> Is there something you want to tell us? <laughs> Does that question want us to have a punch up? I don't. I, I like because I, mean, I don't fancy my chances, frankly. <laughs> There's always a strange when you do these sort oh, of things. Oh, you programs. can take Eric Pickle. Probably not myself, though. He's going to be slow moving, isn't he? He's going to be slow moving. Yeah, he's going to be. And he's got glasses as well. That's one of the unsettling things. I mean, that's. I mean, it's an interesting thing. If you do those shows, that one of the things that it reveals to you is that um, it is 
just, you know, that they are, there is a great deal of bonhomie between mm. people who are, you know, supposedly from different points of view. And that is one of the, you, I think you do get a sense when you do them, you know, the Andrew Marshall, Christian Time, or Newsnight, really, that there is, there is a, you know, there is, right. an, there is a, there's a clique, yeah. Mm. And it, it encompasses people who are ostensibly on the left and people who are ostensibly on the right, but really they are, uh, I should use me Marxist voice for this, <laughs> that they are really, but there is a, there is an establishment, you know, and they all travel about in E-class Mercedes. It's that, it's always, it comes, you're E-class, this is obviously not interesting, right? yeah, your car is waiting for you outside, it's a silver Mercedes E-class. Um, I thought that Priuses. that might be better. Yeah, I, I get. I only really get a Prius. They're using a lot of Toyota Priuses yeah. now. Yeah, the revolution. Has, uh, no, it's got to be an E-class. Clearly taking place. And, and, and that friendship. As I'm speaking as a Marxist, I'm fighting for the right to every single worker to be taken to work in a silver <laughs> E-class Mercedes. Those leather seats are very leather nice seats about, and Bluetooth uh, and MP3 connectivity as a minimum, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ian Stonehead and Lewis Alexis Taylor. <laughs> Domestic workers in Singapore for the first time are to be allowed a day off a week. David Cameron has called them anti-business snobs. <laughs> a possibly instructive slip of the tongue by Nick Clegg on the BBC the other week. He said every 18 to 24 year old cunt in this country will have the opportunity yeah. to learn or earn. I'm sorry to use the C word but he is the Deputy Prime Minister. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, join me now in welcoming back to the stage, Miss Loretta May. Wow, what a cheery evening it's been. I'd love to, um, I'd love to finish for you on a song incorporating all of that. As we all know, that this week Mary Portis starts her show again. Um, which is all about how industry in Britain is shit, and so more people need to do more things to make it better. But I don't think that woman has her eyes open, because there are a lot of new franchises in this country. They're mainly chicken shops. <laughs> there, there, there are now eight million chicken shops in the UK, my estimate. But um, <laughs> but we can't say they're not chicken. There's not stuff going on. Give me, give me a cheer if you like fried chicken. Hey. hey, now give me a cheer if you secretly like fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me a cheer if you ever get off the bus and stop early, a bit drunk, go to the chicken shop, eat the chicken on the way home, make sure you finish it before you get in the front door so no one knows your secret. <laughs> then you are ready to play my game. It's called, How Many Chicken Shops Can You Name? How many chicken shops can you name? How many chicken shops can you name? Don't tell me you think they're all the same. How many can you name? Go. That's one, that's not very impressive, no. How many chicken shops do we need? How many chicken shaped mouths to feed? How many chicken shops can succeed? And how many can you name? You. Jesus Christ. I have to do this by myself. Well, there's the famous ones like KFC and Chicken Cottage, obviously. Then there's Morley's New, Morley's Old, Molly Sam's, Chicken Hut, Chicken Shed, Chicken Lickin', Chicken Dead, London, Tooting, Tennessee Chicken, Maryland, Mississippi Dixie Chicken. Nando's is not the same. It's not deep fried. It's grilled on a flame. And it's peri, 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 peri hot. 
Well, there's chicken ribs, chicken, chick, lick, chick, chop, omelets, omelets, chowdhury's chicken, American friendly quality chicken, chicken house, chicken barn, chicken shack, chicken yarn, new spot, chicken spot. How many have we got? More chicken shops than any other fast food outlet have been closed down due to illegal practices. Their health and safety record is horrific. But put it in your mouth, man. It tastes terrific because of the 12 secret spices. Those 12 secret herbs and spices. Those 12 very secret herbs and spices. Salt, 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 and MSG. There's A through Z, FC, E4 chicken, Millennium chicken, chicken fun, chicken love, chicken bucket, chicken guff, all those kebab shops that now sell fried chicken cause we don't crave a donner no more. There's Mohammed's fried chicken, pearly fried chicken, southern fried chicken, USA chicken, galaxy chicken, Texas chicken, best chicken, Euro chicken, super chicken, your fried chicken, Millennium chicken, great chicken, summer's fucking chicken! So how many chicken shops I can name? Don't tell me you could have done the same. Join me next time we play the game. How many chicken shops can you name? Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, you're recognized. Thank you. Our, our next show is here at the Soho Theatre on Sunday, April the 15th. This has been no pressure to be funny. I'm James O'Brien. Thank you very much and good night. Thank you.